the $100 a day challenge. How one side hustler stacked up an extra $10,972 in just 100 days. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, a member of the Entrepreneur Podcast Network, because making extra money never goes out of style. Today, you're going to learn how to make an extra $100 a day and do it consistently and do it almost entirely online. My guest just completed a public $100 a day, 100 day challenge, earning that grand total of $10,972 in that span, all with side hustles that just about anybody can do. And she's got an all new challenge for this year that you can follow along with on TikTok at Jacqueline Mitchell. Jackie, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, me as well. Stick around in this one. We're breaking down all the side hustles that she tried during that challenge and sharing her personal favorites, plus the unexpected income streams that she unlocked along the way. Now, I want to start with the motivation or the inspiration to start. Why $100? Why 100 days? And why document it? Like why post it online? So I'm big about breaking down like really large goals into really small bites. So that's what happened to me. I wanted to save about an extra $10,000 to finish off our savings for a down payment on our very first home. So for me, I was like $10,000. That seems like an impossible challenge. Well, let me break that down by month and then by week and then by day. And more or less that came out to about $100 for 100 days. So I thought, you know, that's a nice round number. I'll just call it that. And that'll be my easy to remember, easy to hit goal. That's how I came up with it. And I understand you're moving. So was that the down payment? That was part of it. Yeah, we actually closed two days ago as of recording and I'm moving this weekend. So you've caught me in one of the very last days I'll be in this apartment here. Oh, very cool. Congrats on that. That's super cool. And even for a lot of people starting out, like hitting that $100 a day threshold, sometimes that would take months or years. You're like, well, I'm Mm going to do it every day. I'm going to do it from day one. And I don't know if you hit it on day one, but did you have an idea of what you were going to do to hit that threshold every day? Yeah, I definitely did. So I have been using side hustles in some way, shape or form since early college is kind of what got me through college, what got me a little bit of extra spending money. I used to save up on like swag bucks to try to save for a nice dinner for my husband and I. When we were dating, I would like take them out like once a semester. I was like, I have like two hundred dollars. This is great. So at the time, like I was doing those on and off just to kind of gain a little bit of extra money, but I was never like making myself work any specific amount at any of those side hustles. So I had some of these streams of income already kind of at my fingertips, but it was just about utilizing them more and committing to utilizing them consistently. Yeah, nothing like setting a goal and a really tight deadline to hit that. Like, okay, I'm going to, there's no sitting around and waiting for the perfect idea. Like, I got to take action on this now. Yeah. What was the reaction on TikTok when you started the challenge? And was it just for the sake of public accountability? (laughs) Like, I want to put it out there. Absolutely. And now now I got to do the next 99 days because I said I would. Yeah, that was definitely a big part of it. I'm super competitive with myself. But beyond that, I can choose whether I want to complete a challenge or not. But if I stop being competitive with myself or I get lenient with myself, there's no one else to force me to do anything. You know, it's not like my husband was like, you have to make $100 a day. He didn't be supportive either way. So I wanted to post this to a community, kind of like what people do with, if you've seen the 75 hard challenge where people do, it's kind of like a mental and physical kind of like workout challenge for 75 days. And I see people completing that at a much higher success rate when they post it. So to me, I was like, that seems like something that would keep me on track. At the time I had maybe 40 followers. So I thought, you know, I'll post it. Maybe my friends will see it and they'll keep me 
kind of accountable. And then I think I got like 50,000 likes on my first post. And I was like, wow. I really have to do this actually. <laughs> so, and then I had to do it and I did it. Yeah. There's no way, you know, if you post it and people start following you, you better own up to it and you better do it. So that's what happened to me, which is good. Now you're committed. I am. What was in that first video that you think made it go pretty viral like that? I think the concept might've just hit at the right time. I think part of it has to do with definitely cost of living being increased. A lot of talks about like salary transparency and side hustles just kind of gaining traction, at least in the circles that I was in on TikTok. So I think part of that was just the season of life. People were gearing up for the holidays. I think I started this late September, early October. So that was like the right time maybe to post. And I didn't even know it in terms of like people trying to save for that last quarter of that last third of the year. And then I was posting because the point initially of me posting was just to post that I wanted to keep myself accountable to earning. And I think what was intriguing accidentally was that I, on the first day, didn't list any of the sites I was using. I was just like, oh, and I did like some work on annotation. And then I did another site, a survey site. And then people were like, well, what's that? And I was like, oh, okay, well, I can share about that. No problem. I know all about that. I've been doing that since college. So I think that kind of led to at least some initial intrigue. Okay. I want to circle back to the social media content creation game, because I know that has turned into its own side hustle in a way. But let's break down some of these that you were going through. You mentioned swag bucks. You mentioned some annotation. Let's spend some time on the top 10 that you tested out during this period. That's great. I can give you a list of my top three that I think I would recommend to everybody. I'll give you some ones in the middle and then I'll give you a few that I only tolerated and maybe a couple that I did not like at all. So <laughs> okay, we'll kind of go from there. So the ones that I really liked, Prolific is going to always be at the top of my list. This is a survey site that researchers use. A lot of times they're post-grad students or medical researchers or psychological researchers, and they're paying pretty well per hour for short little surveys. So maybe it's a 10-minute survey, but it pays like $7. Well, that's really good if you break down. In terms of an hour. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. So Prolific gives you mostly, I would say, 30-minute and under surveys. It's just prolific.com. Anyone can sign up. I do believe that they are often on a wait list because of demographics, just because researchers are looking for an even pool of a lot of different demographics. So if you apply and get on a wait list, that doesn't mean that your wait list time will be the same as me. When I applied, I'd heard about it about two or three years ago on Reddit on a kind of like a side hustle subreddit that I was on. And I applied and was on for maybe eight months on the wait list before I got accepted. But I would say consistently when surveys are available, I can make anywhere from like 10 to $30 a day doing that. My experience, I didn't remember being waitlisted on Prolific because it's oh, similar, like a listener wow. or a reader reached out and was like, hey, have you heard about this? Because you've mentioned these other survey sites or, or focus group type of sites. Like, have you heard yeah. about this one? Like, oh, let me go check it out. And I don't know, like all of the rates were in pounds, like yes, British pounds. Yeah. yeah, they're based in the UK. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't know if that was just me yeah. or if I like had triggered some No, 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 no. IP they're address. based in the UK. Okay. What's cool is they tell you like, this is how much you're going to make and this is how long we expect it to take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, it's only going to be five minutes and it's going to pay even if it's just... Even if it's a dollar for five minutes, you're like, that's not bad. Yeah. What else would I do for five minutes? You can do it from the comfort of my home. So that's definitely an interesting one. Prolific.com. We'll link that one up. It used to be prolific.co. I guess they yes, secured... Yes, that's true. But the, I think they got the .com. .com. You're right about that. Absolutely. Yeah, they're really good. I like them in terms of survey sites. I think they're the best. You mentioned focus groups. I do focus groups and I love them, but I'm sure you know and you've talked about they're not consistent, at least for me. I only really qualify for a focus group every maybe two or three months. 
But when you do them, they're so much fun. I mean, it's just consumer opinions, kind of like prolific. Like there's really no right or wrong answer. You're not like submitting work to be graded unless you fail an attention check. Really, it's just like, what do you think about this product? Do you like breakfast sandwiches? Do you hate them? As someone who's an extrovert, who gives their opinion to everyone for free all the time, (laughs) what would be wrong with getting paid $150 to test out a product and talk to somebody in a group about it for an hour or so? I love focus groups. I don't do them all the time just because, again, like it's hard to come by because they want to not have you do one each week. At least the site that I'm on, I think it's called Sago, S-A-G-O, or they used to be Schlesinger. S-O-G-O, yeah. Sago, something. Sago, Sago, yeah. So I really only qualify for maybe one every other month. But when I do them, they are so much fun. And again, anyone can do it. It's just about demographics and what you use. So no barrier to entry besides... I think you just have to provide like a government ID and an address. Yeah. So I think Sago is like the researcher facing side of the business. Focusgroup.com is the panelist facing side of things. Any other sites that you like on that user studies or focus group type of work? Those are the only two that I consistently use. In terms of consumer studies, I know Swagbucks has them. I don't use Swagbucks for surveys. I don't think they pay a comparable rate to something like Prolific. So Swagbucks is a site that has a lot of different earning methods, kind of like cashback, discover offers, playing games to hit a certain level. They do have a survey tab. And what I always tell my followers is, I think there's sites that pay better and Prolific's the top of my list for that. I just don't think that they're paying enough for it to be reasonable or worth your time. You're doing a 40-minute survey for $2. You don't want to get paid $3 an hour. So you have to kind of look at it like that. When for similar effort, similar work on prolific, it could be I know, four or five times that. So that makes sense. What was funny, so my top three for focus groups and kind of these paid research studies would be userinterviews.com. Really cool site. And like this one and uh, respondent.com or respondent.io, I forget what it is. Like definitely like a business to business focus. Like we're trying to find product managers and software users, or like kind of more industry specific studies. But if you qualify, like yeah, 50, 100, 150 bucks an hour. I got the recent one was like 250 an hour. It was from field work. I don't think it was from either of those, but it was talking about business banking or something like small business banking. It's like, shoot, I love geeking out on this stuff anyways. I, love I did that. one that was on credit card rewards. It was like me and a bunch of travel hackers, like on, yeah. <laughs> on like a Zoom yeah. call. That's I was fun. like, this is kind of cool. They're sharing tips with <laughs> You're it. Like, like writing I down, I know. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of cool. It's the funny thing about focusgroup.com, because I did a focusgroup.com like review video on YouTube. And I want to say like Google took down the link. They're like, we we don't let you link oh. to scam skites or, or something. And I was like, oh. Google, like, did you watch the video? Like my whole thing was like, I just made $215 from yeah. the site. Like I proved it's not a scam. Like I'm sticking my wow. reputation on the line. Like it's legit. And I was like, that was frustrating. But That's don't bizarre. Don't Google too hard. I can vouch for them too. I've been paid for them. Several times now. So not a scam as far as I know. Absolutely not. So what you should know, if you do sign up, there are three tabs. Like there's like the super low paying or mostly low paying like online surveys. There's actually a couple of those tabs. What you want to pay attention to is like, I think it's the middle tab, which is like the qualifications for the yeah longer studies. Yeah. Higher paying, more in-depth type of studies. Okay. So that's helpful. So that's a couple different options. More with Jackie in just a moment, including how she gets paid to play games and the side hustle that earned her the most during this challenge. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? 
Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. One thing that you talked about, Swagbucks, not so good for their survey options, but better for their game yeah. testing options. Excellent how does this one work? for their game testing option. I would love to, if you know, um, I've got an idea, but maybe you are more business and analytically minded and you would be able to break this down better. My guess is when they offer someone, if you hit X tier of a game, a mobile game offer, if you're a first time user, we'll pay you $5. Then if you hit the next tier, then we'll pay you $20. Then we'll pay you $50. And the last tier is like $160. So you've got like a good $200 reward by the end of it. And is it possible to hit those without doing like the in-app purchases in the game? Yeah, I stick to not doing in-app purchases in the game. And one of the ways I do that is by utilizing Reddit. Again, I am a big spokesperson for Reddit because I think it's such a helpful forum just for vetting sites and also just to a lot of people help each other reach their goals in terms of like side hustling. So there's a Swagbucks subreddit just called r slash Swagbucks. And most of the major game offers that are on there, someone has done an in-depth review of how to utilize your time most effectively. So if you've got 30 days to hit that goal and you want to hit okay. the highest goal, here's what you should do right off the bat. Here's what you shouldn't do. And there's like hundreds of comments. People blow it like, yes, I did this and this. And yes, I wouldn't do this again, or you have to join this alliance, whatever. I mean, it's silly, but it works. So I've been able to hit several <laughs> of the top tiers for games. There's been a few that I've given up on and not completed, but the fact that they tier their rewards makes it so that you never really like lose completely, right? So it's kind of a side hustle that you can do in a way that you wouldn't do for like a survey site or any type of work that takes a lot of concentration. This is something I can do while I watch TV or while I'm in the car. So it kind of falls into like a unique category of accessibility in terms of time commitment. 
I think Reddit's a really great tool to hit those goals. I've used a lot of those little guides on Reddit. Okay. So my understanding or maybe my assumption of how this works is like the game companies are paying swag bucks to deliver them like a really loyal user to their app or, you know, and maybe they're paying out certain thresholds. Like if they hit level a thousand within this time period, like they're more likely to make in-app purchases. Yeah. Or they're more likely to stay longer. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then Swagbucks is like sharing a portion of that revenue with you. Yeah. Interesting. It has to be because not all of the games have ads. So at first I was like, well, it has to be, they're just earning so much in ad revenue because I'm playing it so much. I'm watching, I'm getting ads like every 30 seconds, but only some of the games have ads. The one I'm doing right now is Monopoly Go. I think my offer was for $218 total and not an ad to be seen. So I know there's a reason why they're offering this money. But to me, I'm like, I can't understand it, but I will play and I will earn. So Yeah, they got to be making money on it somehow. I know, absolutely. So my, I guess my take on it would be if you enjoy playing mobile games, you might as well get paid for it. Absolutely. But the hourly input required to hit the th- top threshold, like, is that a good trade-off? Or is it just like, look, I'd be doing this anyways, so I'm going to make some money on it. I think part of it comes down to kind of like I said, it's something that I can do where it's a situation where I wouldn't be able to do some other side hustles, things like watching TV, things like have you ever been like waiting in a long line or you're like waiting for your food to come at a restaurant. That's when I can put in hours to stuff like that in a way that I can't on any other site. If I'm on an airplane and there's no Wi-Fi, well, I can still play this game. If I'm on a commute, someone's driving and I'm in a long car ride, I just did this. I played Monopoly Go for six hours straight. Why? Because there's nothing else to do. And some of these games are kind of automated. So like this has an auto roll feature. I just turn that on. I can watch TV or even work on another side hustle and have that rolling in the background and really not check on it too much. So I'm like stacking them, I know. (laughs) Yeah. And that's it's something that you can do from your phone versus like, I don't know, like prolific. It seems like, at least when I was doing it, like it had to be desktop and some of the other stuff has to be desktop. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I promised a third paid research site and I never got to it. And the third one was called Rare Patient Voice, which is primarily for medical research. But it says in the subheader of the site, also non-rare. So like if you suffer from any sort of medical condition, rare or non-rare, or if you're a caregiver to somebody who is, the site pays 120 bucks an hour. It has a bunch of different studies coming up. So that one is one that comes up on our list from time to time. Wow. Talk to me about the data annotation stuff. This was one that really blew up in terms of popularity during the challenge because people didn't know what it was. And I'll I'll raise my hand and call myself in that bucket as well. Data annotation is one that I would rate a three out of five, just as my disclaimer in terms of accessibility and kind of like, is the work enjoyable to do? I would say most likely no, but, (laughs) but it pays well and it's an interesting site. So data annotation and I'll group another site, Remo Tasks, are both in the business of training large language models. So AI, think of things like Google Bard, think of things like OpenAI, ChatGPT. So a lot of it is kind of veiled to the workers in terms of like which ones you're training. And some of that is just because you're signing different disclosures. You're essentially freelancing for one of these major companies. But the majority of your work is going to be editing and classifying and fact-checking large language model responses. So maybe you're given two responses from two different versions of a language model. You're fact-checking it for accuracy, that it's not making up information. You're looking at if it was too verbose, did it run on and just give you way too much information that it didn't really need to give you? Was the grammar okay? Stuff like that. So there's a lot of different subsets within 
both REMA tasks and data annotation, you can get put on a lot of different tasks. There's more specific ones for people who code, which I know pay a ton, which is amazing if you code. I don't. Every time I see a qualification pop up for that, I wish I did. But typically, these will pay anywhere from $15 to $25 an hour, in my experience. Okay. It's not bad. It's not nothing. I don't think so. No. What's the primary site that you're doing this through? Data Annotation is the name of the site. Yep. Dataannotation.tech. Yep. Okay. The one that I signed up for was Remote Tasks to try and check it out. And I was almost deterred. It was like, I got got to do it for the blog post. I got to stick through this. But like the onboarding process took probably a couple hours worth of training. things. Like you had to do an editing task, like that's easy enough. Like, okay, I would cross out this sentence or this is the way I would phrase that instead Mm -hmm. to be more concise or whatever. But then you had to come up with a prompt response on your own. And there was one that was factual, like, you know, make an argument for X, Y, Z. I forget what he's like, why should we cut NASA's budget or something? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay, well, people are starving. So the money would be better allocated. Like you can Mm -hmm. make that argument. Mm -hmm. But the other one was like a fiction response or like a Mm -hmm. creative response. And that one was like, Dang, like, I, don't know. I know. It's been, I was really proud of what I came up with in the end, like about 500 words. It was like pretty decent sized, what I considered like the opening of a, of a book, <laughs> but it was like almost through the towel. It was like, this is pretty time consuming. Yeah. I feel that way. Data annotation is super similar. And to my understanding, they really do screen out a lot of people through that test, which is not to say that you pass because you have XYZ It is heavily geared towards people who enjoy long-form writing, who enjoy fact-checking and editing, who have very strong grammar skills. I think data annotation says something like grammar and writing skills and like critical reasoning are the things that they look for. So you don't have to have degrees, anything like that, but it is grueling work. So I don't know how far you got into RemoTask after that, but people who come to my page and say like, I took the data annotation test. That was awful. I can't wait to get in. I'm like, well, that's all that it is though. That's exactly <laughs> what you're, if you take the test and you don't like it, that's all the prompts and all the work to be done. Yeah, on that, there, that right? was just a free sample. Yeah, that's a free sample of what's coming down the pipeline. So I, I think people think like they're screening me and this is an excruciating test, but it's going to be really cool. And in a way it's cool to be able to write interesting topics or find ways to apply AI that can help people. But Overall, it is really grueling work, and I don't want people to be disillusioned by that. I think there was something that so you know we'll we'll pay you to do this training, we'll pay you to do this onboarding, like after you unlock ten or twelve different paid tasks inside the systems. Like, well, maybe should I stick it out long enough to keep doing the thing? Because I did an hour, and they use some tracking software like to track your time. So I think I'm at like fifteen bucks an hour for my work there so far. So I was like, okay. It's legit. They are going to pay out based on that, or maybe there's mm-hmm. some minimum threshold that I got to hit. But I was like, for a while, nothing showed up in my dashboard. It's like, <laughs> You're like, am I getting paid? For is this? this still unpaid training? But like, okay, like, so I did see some money yeah. get added to it. There was another one that a side hustle show guest pointed me to. It was called Taskverse, which I'm still on the waiting list for. And this one was for speaking. It was basically like reading, reading sentences to help. AI get better at voice recognition was maybe oh, my understanding of it. I'll have to test that one out and see if... Let me know. And if you see, see if me test that list. too, I would love to test that one. That sounds right up my alley. I love speaking. So, <laughs> All right. So we have data annotation.tech. We have remote tasks and taskverse, so they may be inundated with inbound worker applications at this point. <laughs> Anything else on the short list of side hustles that you would do again or that you plan to continue to do? 
Off and on, I will continue to do reselling of clothes just because that's an easy thing to do once a season, at least for a girl like me. I've always got some clothes that I could get rid of. But what I found, partially because in college I was selling on Depop when that like 2018, 2019 Depop was rising and there was a whole kind of like stream of girls and sellers who were buying things from Goodwill, selling them for a higher price, stuff like that. I couldn't get into that. And I think that I was just not built that way. So I don't think that it's something I'll do consistently, but I will try to do that. And I like getting money for stuff I would have otherwise just thrown away or whatever. But when people ask me about doing that as a side hustle, I hesitate to say that it's something you can do long term without putting a lot of investment in. And you have to be very careful that you're not going, you're not tipping over to actually being under in terms of profit. For me, that would be very hard to track. So I stick to selling my closet and selling some furniture every once in a while. And it is part of my challenge for sure. But it's not something that I'm earning like a ton of money on, I don't think. Well, we just had a full episode on furniture flipping. Which oh, is, yeah. It was really interesting because my interpretation of furniture flipping was like, okay, I'm going to buy this old beat up dresser and I'm going to sand it and paint it and make it look all nice again. She was like, if it takes more than five minutes of cleaning, like I'm not touching it. <laughs> it was like I know. just straight up buy low, sell high. And I thought that was really, I know. really interesting. I feel like I've given myself a kind of unspoken rule that I will not put in a lot of money for a side hustle. So I think what happens is that I want to stick to side hustles that are either very low cost or free to start up. I'll call clothes I already own free because I bought them years ago, right? But in terms of, like you're saying, flipping, that's an investment to start out. And right now for the stage of life I'm in and for how much I want to track stuff like that, I just don't want to mess with that in my opinion. But I know a lot of people do successfully, but I don't think it's for me. Yeah, there are people who go big on yeah, Depop, on Poshmark, and they've yeah. got, you know, they oh, build yeah. the systems around consistently yeah. sourcing and you know, got the lighting set up where they can quickly photograph this piece on the mannequin and ship it out. But it's definitely a grind, especially in kind of low-ish ticket clothing items where like, okay, maybe my profit on this is 10, 15 bucks, and I had to source it, and I had to photograph it, and I had to list it, and I had to ship it, where we've seen people have the most success in flipping businesses is where there's enough margin and people have given the threshold like i want to make at least a hundred dollars on this because realistically it takes the same amount of effort to sell the hundred dollar profit item as it did to sell the ten dollar profit items and i got to do less volume to clear a much greater profit number so that's where i would look at the reselling but it's an important reminder to say like well the stuff that i bought like yeah it had this purchase price but it also has this resale value and that's something that i use in my mind to justify some purchases like well, <laughs> if i want to buy this bike or this pair of skis, like, okay, yeah, it's this much amount today, but if I use it for five years and then like, okay, whether or not actually, you know, materializes, but, but I totally do that. You are getting into girl math territory. I don't know (laughs) if you know you are, but that's exactly what girl math is founded on. So you're really headed in that direction. I support it. (laughs) All right. I'll take that as a compliment. Uh, So that's the reselling side of things. We're just clearing out the closet. 100% recommended as declutter, add some to your wallet at the same time. More with Jackie in just a moment, including the side hustles she didn't love and some of the more time-leveraged earning opportunities that her content creation and social following have opened up for her. What else for you got? What other side hustles did you test out? Side hustles that I didn't love were MTurk. First of all, I don't know if you've talked about MTurk ever, but I think it's short for a mechanical Turk. It's a subset of Amazon. And yeah, Amazon's pay. mechanical Turk. Yeah, yes. I didn't think they paid enough. Honestly, I seem to not be the only one. So at least in my experience and the experience of some others on some forums I read, when compared to sites like Prolific, 
they just really didn't stand the chance in terms of hourly pay. So I tried them and gave up on that pretty quickly. Yeah, mostly overseas workers is my understanding of Mechanical Turk. I used it as a customer early on where I had, it was like basically a data entry project, like copy this SKU into this website and Mm. copy the product title back, like really tedious stuff. But, and we had a guy who he wrote the Mechanical Turk review for the Side Hustle Nation blog. And his story was like, well, I had a a newborn on the way of staring down the barrel of paying for diapers and daycare and everything else. And hey, this is backed by Amazon. This is a legit company. And he ended up making $50,000 over the course of several years doing this site, but really tedious stuff. You're making 25 cents a task. And you know, you think about it in terms of your, your hourly rate, something you can do sitting on the couch, kind of relatively brainless, but your time may be better spent elsewhere. Think about the opportunity cost on that stuff. For sure. Another one that I didn't like and that I won't maybe recommend are two cashback apps that I'll group into like the same category, which would be Fetch and Ibotta. These are like cashback and earnings apps for groceries. So if you scan different items in the store, or if you buy certain items, rather than buying a name brand, you get cashback. I had a lot of people in my comments saying they were earning hundreds of dollars, $1,000 a year off of Fetch or off of Ibotta. And I was really surprised by that. And I think what it came down to for me was just that I do not shop a lot. My husband and I, I keep us under $80 a week for all of our groceries per week. So I think that paired with us really basically thrifting everything else in our life just kind of created this perfect storm of I'm not Ibotta, I'm not Fetch's ideal customer, and I think that's okay with me, but it just didn't work for me. I know a lot of people with larger families tend to lean towards that, and I think that's great for them. It just isn't maybe as obtainable if you are a low spender and maybe you're a household of one or two, I think. Yeah, not necessarily a side hustle. I mean, I, I still use these apps and maybe combined they're 25, 50 bucks a year. Like I'm not making a thousand bucks a year yeah. off of these, but it's like, you're going to give me money for taking pictures of the receipts. Like, fine, I'll take your free money. It takes sure. three seconds to do it, but is <laughs> yeah. it a lifestyle changer? Absolutely not. Besides that, the only other one I was going to try was Instant Cart, but I don't know if you've tried anything like that. For me, the market was so oversaturated that as soon as something popped up, people were snatching it right away. And I just was not committed enough to maybe like sit there on my phone and just stare waiting for like the millisecond that a $7 oh, order popped up. I don't know if this is just Columbus. So people Columbus. are like, I gotta, you got to claim it like right away. Oh yeah. You think it's because it's a college town and people are like- I don't know. Oh, no, That's do. a great question. Columbus is growing pretty rapidly. We were recently named like the third fastest growing housing market, something like that, like the fastest housing market right behind Cincinnati. And then we were at one point the fastest growing city in America. So I do wonder if like somehow really it is just kind of like the season of the city that I'm in, but it was just absurdly fast. And I just was not as committed to doing that, but I do love grocery shopping. So I'm willing to give it another chance because I do love, (laughs) it's like therapeutic to me. I love grocery shopping. Go give it a try. You have the pie chart breakdown of what ended up being the, out of the $10,000, like what ended up being the biggest piece of the pie? Definitely data annotation for me was a large portion of the pie. And then something we haven't really talked about yet, I won't maybe classify it as a side hustle anymore, I don't know, is earnings from either TikTok's creativity program or doing UGC work or brand deals. These are three things that I was only able to do because I started this challenge and gained kind of like attraction and a following. So those things ended up being a pretty big portion of my revenue as well, which I was super surprised about. Do you have an estimate of the hourly 
rate overall. And it's hard to say, well, I played Monopoly Go for six hours, but because you're already, you're working full time, you know, it's, you know, I got to come home and I got to do this. I got to figure out a way to make my hundred bucks because my followers are expecting it. And I got to edit the video and like do all the other behind the scenes stuff that goes into it. Like, did you sleep during this? I did. I did. Yeah. To begin with, it took me in the start, probably four hours a day of active work. And then at the beginning, I was editing my videos and doing my voiceovers for like an hour. Now I've got that down to like maybe 20 minutes. Okay. Okay. I at least have that down a little bit faster. With repetition. Yeah. You just kind of get used to it. You get less scared of your own voice. Like the first couple of voiceovers you do, you're like, I sound insane. And then you post it and you're like, no, everyone sounds normal. You just are critical of yourself. So in the beginning, probably like a combined five hours of extra work a day. To me, that was pretty normal because I just in this past year, January of 2023, I had stopped my evening job. I was working as a server at a Wagyu steakhouse. So working two jobs back to back was pretty normal for me. And honestly, okay. the fact that I could do it in the comfort of my own home rather than working in a kitchen and walking around at my feet for another six hours a night. That was honestly a a perk for me. So that wasn't too bad. Towards the end of the challenge, anywhere from two to three hours a day, just because I had the opportunity to work with some great brands. UGC work pays really well. So that was a blessing. And I was earning money passively anywhere from like five to $25 a day off TikTok's creativity program pretty consistently, which was amazing. So this would be similar to like YouTube ads, like it's just ad revenue Mm -hmm. based on your view count or subscriber Yes, that's exactly what it is. So they will pay you per a thousand views. And I think it's anywhere from like $1.40 to $1.70 per a thousand views. Over the break, I had some absolutely ridiculous numbers, partially because I ended my challenge. So my day 100 got a significant amount of views. And then I did a series recap that got a lot of views. And that was my first taste of like, I had had some videos go viral like early on and I wasn't in the creativity program at the time. I think you have to have like 10,000 followers. So the first few videos that went viral, I had no idea what you could make off of ad revenue for that. But then just this past couple weeks, I've kind of had a taste of what large creators are getting paid, which is insane. So if you can find a niche, create consistent content, I think there's huge money to be made in TikTok's creativity program beta, but it's all for one minute or longer videos. That's kind of like their criteria. Oh, interesting. Okay. So just the nature of the everyday challenge, like you got people hooked, got people following along. I want to get the next update and that makes a lot of sense. But I will say this, like you have mastered short form, like that is awesome. But if you can translate that same content over to YouTube, because the CPMs are way higher in this niche. Wow. So even if it's the same stuff, review content, like here are the side hustles that I tried. Like if you want to play the ad revenue game, YouTube is is a better place for that long form wow. horizontal okay. content. Good to know. Good to know. There was an Amazon storefront element. These are like my yes. top product picks. Yes. Was this yeah. an influencer program or this was like yeah. something separate? Yeah, that's their influencer program. Something I put a little bit of time into. So I mostly called that passive income when that rolled in. I probably put about five hours of work into it total and then just kind of let it sit there. And still it's sat there since maybe October. Didn't make anything too crazy off of that. I was happy with it. I mean, for five hours of work, I think total, maybe I made a couple hundred dollars by the end of the challenge and I'm still making per week, maybe $30. For maybe a one time or a couple time a year investment, I think it's worth it if you have the criteria to meet to get into that program. Were you creating 
you sending your followers to this storefront or this is like when I was doing Amazon influencer, I still am. This is one of my favorite side hustles of the last 12 months is like create these little product review videos. Oh, yes. Not a lot of production quality. And then you don't have to do anything to drive traffic. Like you yeah. just throw them up on the product page. Hey, if you help us close the sale, somebody watches your video and buys the thing, we'll sprinkle a couple percentages <laughs> your way. Yeah, I have heard of that. I haven't done that yet. This is kind oh. of similar, but it's a storefront where you can link whatever products you want. So for me, I started out just by linking products people were asking me about. I have a heated blanket. I was always turning on each night in part of my videos and people were like, where can I buy that? Done. You can, gotcha, you can gotcha. catch okay, it on my okay. storefront my espresso yeah. machine, stuff like that. And then I did a couple gift guides, like frugal gift guides, gift guides for $15 and under, $30 and under, $50 and under. And I just left those up. So I, maybe I made two or three TikTok videos on those and then just had everything linked in different categories on my Amazon storefront. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, nice. Yeah, D- different ways to go about it. But again, create something once, create that storefront or create those review videos once and get paid for them over and over again. So Growing the passive income section of that $100 a day pie and hopefully growing the size of the pie as well. I wanted to ask about the uh, UGC, the user-generated content side of things, because this is, I'm an elder millennial. This is like new territory for me. So how does this all work? So user-generated content is kind of exactly what it sounds like. Brands are paying people to create different videos or static posts, images about either their brand, their product on their platform, anything like that, just in order to kind of drive sales in a way that someone talking from the brand would not be able to do. Do you know what I mean? Like if you get a review ad on your page and it's someone who works for that company, you're like, well, why would I trust that it's actually a good product? But if it's someone that looks like you and there's just some girl in Columbus, Ohio or whatever, and they're like, I really like this product and it works for me. Okay, well, that seems a little bit more trustworthy. And I think data is starting to show that that is the case. So there's a lot of companies right now that are looking to hire UGC workers. I've seen a lot of people create portfolios and start from scratch and kind of pitch themselves to brands which I think is great. There's a lot of great, great UGC content creators on here. I've been following one for years. Her name is- Did you have to do any of that or were the brands reaching out to you? This was inbound for me, which is kind of why I kept that in a separate category when I calculated it because at least I am this time because again, that was something that I didn't seek out, but kind of an opportunity that came to me. But I have, again, seen a lot of creators on TikTok pretty consistently making content and then pitching it brands. So like, here's kind of what niche I can offer. I'm a lifestyle creator, you know, wellness creator. Here's an example of some product reviews I've done in the past. Here's how much my rates are. Would you like to work with me? And brands can be like, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. What's typical? Like if you're comfortable sharing. Changes a lot. I think when I started, I was doing like $100 or $200 UGC videos. There's a difference between a dedicated TikTok and an integrated TikTok. Integrated being kind of like an ad read in the middle of a YouTube video versus a dedicated TikTok is like, this is only about this product and this is the whole point of that video. So those are two different rates, dedicated being higher. I think at the start, I charged like $100 for an integrated $200 for dedicated. And then there's also videos that you upload, UGC videos that you upload and they will post on their social media. And that is usually what I charged the lowest for because it was not cluttering my feed. So it was less like kind of, I don't know, risk, if that makes sense for me. So that I probably charged $75 to begin with. There's a lot of people that charge a lot of different rates, depends on your portfolio, how long you've been doing it, 
If you're posting a dedicated or integrated TikTok on your own feed, it depends on how many followers you have. Right now, I'm in contract with a brand for a few thousand dollars for one, which okay. is insane to me. But now I have 110 some thousand followers, which is very different than when I was doing UGC work for brands when I had 10,000. So it's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Could you imagine, like, compared to where it was three, no, four months I mean, ago? It, yeah, just, it's just been now, now bizarre. Now we've got 100,000 people paying attention to this stuff. It's been absurd. Like, I can't really, like, it's it's almost one of those things where, like, the human brain has trouble seeing exponential growth. <laughs> I think, that, genuinely, I think there's been studies on, like, how people just truly cannot understand, like, what a billion dollars versus a million dollars is. It's so hard for people to grasp, like, exponential growth. Like, that's been true of me. Like, I can't even... I can't even comprehend how many people that is. It's absurd. Yeah. Well, you're in Columbus. That's like the entire horseshoe. It's like 100,000 people, right? It's bigger. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. That's probably a good transition point to the content creator side of things. And maybe that's kind of where the future of this goes, like focusing less on the hours for dollars side hustles and more on like, how do I get more views so I can get creator program revenue? How can I drive more Amazon affiliate sales? How can I get more user-generated contracts with bigger and bigger brands? Where do you see this thing going for the next 12 months? It's a really tough question. I think what I am struggling to kind of come to terms with right now is that there's a really fine balance between wanting to hit goals like that and wanting to stay true to why people followed me in the first place. So I have a year-long challenge right now that I started on January 1st how much extra income I can make in a year. I didn't give myself a daily goal. Right now we're moving house. So I'm averaging like 30 to $50 a day, something low. But what I want to show people is that little bits consistently over time make a big difference. So I'm documenting 366 because it's a leap year days (laughs) of earning this year. Could I say I'm getting to the point where I'm earning thousands of dollars or whatever on ad revenue and brands, UGC work? I could. But there comes a point, and I've seen this happen to a lot of creators. For years, when I followed creators, I would see them kind of the trope of like influencers becoming out of touch. I think there is a fine line to be walked to not kind of lose why people followed you to begin with. So I owe it to my audience. They're like, I would say like 90% women and they're from 18 to 35 years old. So I owe it to those girls who are just like me. And a year ago, were in my shoes, you know, wanted to make a little bit of extra cash to save up for a home. I owe it to people to show them ways that don't cost money to start up, or you don't have to have a following to start up. So I'm going to continue to do that. But I will post transparency videos. Each Sunday, I post how much I made on TikTok's creativity program and from any other like passive income, as I would call it. I think it's super compelling. And it just goes to show this consistent effort really stacks up and kind of, I mean, I'm hearing echoes of what side hustle nation was in the early days where it's like, I want to be the Guinea pig for this stuff. This was one of my like early hypotheses for the site. Like I want to test out selling on Amazon, selling on eBay, driving for Lyft and selling on Fiverr and doing freelancing and you know, all of this different stuff. I'm going to report back the results, what I like, what I didn't like. And hopefully, knock on wood, I haven't you know, lost touch because I think the curiosity like still fuels so much of it. But going out and finding other people to tell those stories, if it's a side hustle that I don't have the expertise to do or don't have the time to go do, like, well, I'll go find somebody to, to tell that story. But you're doing it in a really compelling way. And I think it's something that obviously resonated with this audience early on and has clearly resonated with your audience so far. So make sure to follow along at Jacqueline Mitchell on TikTok. We'll link that up in the show notes in case there's any trouble uh, spelling, (laughs) but that's the one year 
of extra income challenge. Like you said, you get an extra day this year, leap year, 366 days of extra income. I'm really excited to see what the total comes out to be because I imagine it's going to be big and we're going to have to do a follow-up even from now <laughs> to see what you hit. So again, thanks so much it. for joining me. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Do your taxes is my number one tip. Make <laughs> sure that you are tracking your taxes and make sure that you keep an accurate idea of how much you owe because you don't want to get so disillusioned with how much money you're making on side hustles that you forget to save the money that you owe come March. So that's my tip. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Take uh, whatever the top line was, take 25% yes. of that and yeah. you mark that away and maybe more depending yes. on state taxes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get those questions like, is this taxable? I is do. prolific taxable? All the time. All the time. Yeah. And what I tell people like, is, absolutely it is. If the government knows you're doing it, you're going to get taxed on it. They want their money and they want it now, which is, you know, that's fine. But I have a spreadsheet in my bio on my TikTok for free that kind of breaks down if anyone wants to do a one year of extra income challenge with me. And it takes that total and then it breaks down automatically a 27% set aside for taxes. And what I recommend is that people throw that when they're getting paid weekly or whatever, throw that amount into a high yield savings account and let that build interest in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. Throw it in that high yield account, make those estimated tax payments. There's no surprise come next year. And here's the other cool thing. Like if you're going to be getting 1099, like you're an independent contractor, like all of a sudden, like hashtag disclaimer, like not an accountant, but like as a business owner, whether you're freelancing and, you know, if you're getting 1099, the government considers you an independent contractor slash freelancer, you can write off more stuff than you would be able to as just a W-2 earner. So make sure you take advantage of the deductions that come along the way. But I get that all the time. Is this taxable? Like, yeah, it's going to be taxable, but like, well, it's not worth it then. Like, well, yes. there's no such thing as a 110% marginal tax rate. Like yes. you're still better off than you I were know. before. The misconception of, well, what if this raises me a tax bracket? Well, it wouldn't raise you to a hundred percent tax bracket. So you're still making right. money. You're good. <laughs> you're still better off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, super cool. Again, at Jacqueline Mitchell, we'll link that up. Really inspiring stuff. Just a couple of quick notes, takeaways, like the little wins add up. I mean, you set out with kind of a big goal of a hundred dollars a day, added up to over $10,000, even $10 a day would still be 3,500 at the end of the year. Like it's mm-hmm. not, you think about what that would afford in terms of a savings cushion, in terms of a nice vacation in terms of whatever it may be. Those little wins really start to compound. And the other thing that we've seen kind of a somewhat common theme here is working in public or documenting the process because people love that behind the scenes. It's like the unboxing videos of making extra income. I think it's really, really compelling and has unlocked the UGC stuff, the affiliate stuff, the ad income earning side of things. And I'm excited to see what the following looks like a year from now. So whether you're a first time side hustle show listener or a longtime fan, I really appreciate you spending some time with Jackie and me in your earbuds today. If you're looking for what to listen to next, I've got over 600 or almost 600 of these uh, episodes to choose from. You can take your pick, but uh, if you don't have that kind of time, I also understand. So what you could do instead is take a more curated approach by going to hustle.show and answering a few short multiple choice questions. And I'll build you a personalized playlist based on your answers. These are the eight to 10 
episodes on a specific topic, deep dive on a more specific topic, the more curated angle for you. Totally free, hustle.show. And I'll get that sent over to you. Big thanks to Jackie for sharing her insight. Super inspiring stuff. We'll have links to all the resources she mentioned in the show notes at sidehustlenation.com slash Jackie. You can also hit up sidehustlenation.com slash deals for all the latest offers from our sponsors in one place. And big thanks for you for supporting the advertisers that support the show. That really does make a difference. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you find the value in the show, the greatest compliment is to share it with a friend. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.